best new tech and the hottest techniques on ice. You're listening to Iced Up with Andrew Gullickson and Luke Lemire. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Iced Up. We are on Season 4, Episode 10. I'm Andrew Gullickson, sitting alongside Luke Lemire. Near enough to the Blackberry Man Cave for this season. Iced Up is brought to you by Stryker and Beavertail Bait. <sighs> this season. Don't even get me started. It. We are looking at, I don't know, is it third or fourth first ice coming up here? Uh, sure, yeah. Third yeah somewhere fourth. in there. If it if it even fully comes back, some places it's not going to. If you're in, if you're south of like Highway 10 in Wisconsin, good luck on the boat. <laughs> yeah, it's this is just getting ridiculous. I've been so aggravated for the way this ice conditions have ended up and everything else going on. I mean, and you've had more time available to ice fish this year than probably ever, really. Did last three or four i mean I could, yeah you I had a lot been, of time i would have been able to get out on ice and everything else and it's just it's not diving i'm like this is this sucks uh but making the best of it you have been out and you have caught more fish probably through the ice than ever before i've been out i've been out three times call it two and a half times i did a half day with you and yep. then i did two full days and they were they were good days. I always got good fish, and I was happy with the times I got out. I just the deer always wanting more. Right. No, even even guiding. It seems like when we get to March, I'm like mentally dead on the ice game. But come like end of April, I'm like, man, I wish I could get back on a basin and chase some crappies down again. It's just, and this year it'd be. I'd like to do it once. Right. Yeah. No, I really haven't gotten none of those deep fish. And I've caught more, probably caught more walleyes, definitely caught more perch. And I've caught more pike and more pike over 30 inches. And I've caught uh, possibly ever in my life between me and clients this year. And I think I pulled my biggest pike was 19 and three quarters this year. But how many times? Uh, okay. Roll reversal. How many times have you had tip ups out? outings yep once you're right and i've been running them a lot this year it's been pretty crazy yeah i've only had i've only had my boards soaking in the water once this year i mean the one day the one time i went out we talked about last time i was in such a big area i had soaked the board that time also but then when we finally got on them and moved again and got on panfish i'm like yep. i'm not not leaving this bite to go drop down and have, put a flag in over here, which it really wouldn't have been that big of an issue to be able to get over and do. But at the same time, you'd like, been searching for a while already. Uh, yeah, I finally got on life. It came up a bit. I'm like, all right, get everything over here now. I'm gridding this house so that way we can try and get on this thing. And I had the the like two of the days with the biggest tip up spreads I've ever been a part of this year, which was just really cool. Because with that many minnows down, you know you're going to get a bite, especially on pike water. I had one day... You better get a bite. Right. Well, we did. The first day was better, and we had, like, 24 flags down for, like, 10 guys. 
and it was pretty much consistently every five to ten minutes there was a flag and there was periods where it was one on top of each other or doubles and then they you know you'd get 10 minutes and then we had a big group i actually had a bachelor party of guys from iowa come up that was they a, were from iowa yep and that was a pretty cool experience they're really good guys great to fish with and then i had a another couple guys out that same day it was a guy with a uh, guy and his kid is having his 21st what a cool day we had 19 people out i had a couple of my buddies come help me just you know borrow borrow tip-ups and set up tip-ups and just help me out because that's a lot of minnows um we had i don't even think we got a an official count but just under 50 tip-ups out oh boy <laughs> it was a lot of lines in the water we had a lot of flags but they were it was actually a slower day and as the seasons get getting later i've actually seen slower tip-up fishing which usually that last weekend is awesome and right like right now is when we've had some of our best tip-up fishing like february is when i finally get my flags out and it seems like you had your bigger fish right this year it's starting to slow down a little bit i think it might be all the uh, like the thin really really bright ice though yeah i mean we haven't had regardless of cold temperatures we haven't even had snow we had what one sticking snow that lasted four days yeah not much i've only i've had to plow once this year that's it right and and i probably could have gotten away with not having to do it you know what i think it's your fault i'm getting blamed for all kinds of stuff i got big filters that can take it you you bought a plow this year yeah, everybody, yep. everybody else I've been talking to is yep. like, God, I'm glad you bought Sell that. Sell the plow. I'm going to give you a tiny little shovel next year. We'll have 18 inches of ice by November 3rd. <laughs> yeah, that'll be about it and four feet of snow on top yeah, of it. Yep. But at least you have all the time off from the back injury. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where I can go through and uh, hobble out on the ice. I'll just make you drill my holes. <laughs> but you're funny. <laughs> um, so... No, this has been it's been a crazy season, but like I said, been on a lot more predator fish. Um, been after walleyes, had some midday walleyes. You caught a midday walleye, and you sounds like your dad got on some the other day. Yeah, dad and his cousin came up. They got on some midday walleyes. I got my fair of uh, midday walleye mixed in too. Um, like, are you, are you lost? What are you doing out here? Right, and just been a kind of a cool year for rediscovering walleyes in our in our area not that we didn't know they were here but like having some fun with them and actually catching them yeah we got woken up to them a little bit more prevalently last year and like all right we might have undersold this years prior and everything because we were more concerned about different fish and didn't think we had a decent bite in the area and then once we got kind of forcing uh this is the way you're gonna fish or you're not gonna fish this year with our ice conditions it opened up quite a bit yeah for sure the other fish that i've talked about a lot this year is perch because it's been something that's been you can't get out to your basins right right that's a big part of it can't get out to the crappies but honestly i haven't there was a little while where i missed it where i wanted to get out there um but i haven't really missed it i love I love being able to turn off the electronics a lot, be able to kind of trust my map study, go back to basics, run the bite me boxes have been just a lot of fun. And then getting into gills. Um, 
and getting on new water because my old water that's been you know that i that i know i've got a hot spot on just hasn't been safe or has been inconsistent when it's been safe because it's, it's so late in the year and the fish are they're seeing a lot different conditions where it's the, the basin fish i have been on have been running like crazy which is really really common when i get a lot of sunlight in the basin and there's a lot of sunlight in the basin this year and there's going to be some legs that won't even see a hole so you're going to have some legs that you get back to with when you're able to launch a boat on them that haven't seen hide no hair of a lure since people winterize their boats and motors and put them away right so i i think this spring might be pretty solid for i think we're heading into some good fishing because just the numbers it's unfortunate because a lot of people won't get out till they can drive or you know they want to foot even while they're taking their four-wheeler out or walking out and i don't blame you i that's especially if you're not spudding if you're not putting as much attention into it as you should i would rather have that right um it's a it's a shame because so many people don't get to ice fish then and but for what we're going to see for populations i think because of this could be kind of cool in the next two three four years i know i got quite a few miles on my mini sled this year that i had last year never used because i was able to get the four-wheeler out and be able to do all that and then this year i didn't even i didn't even back the thing out of the garage i can't remember the last time i started saying thinking and saying that now i might want to go and do that tomorrow just to make sure everything's good on it right this year i was really on the fence because i had sold a snow dog i only had one i'm like well do i get do i go back to a snowmobile and sell the snow dog because with one snow dog in deep snow it'll still run it'll still pull but i just can't pull out everything and it's going to be trips and take longer and i could just get a snowmobile and it would it take less well without the snow there was very very little this season i would have like actually run a snowmobile on it but i was able to take that snow dog out for about 80 percent of our year right and without much snow it would pull i think the most i pulled with it was two adult guys and uh five sleds besides the two that were mine yeah <laughs> i mean it's probably about a thousand to twelve hundred pounds yeah this year i mean i had a span of probably three to four days on the lake i was on i would have been confident of i could have taken a four-wheeler out there I mean, I walked out and they were running side by sides up and down it. Right. And I'm like, well, if I'd known this, and then all of a sudden it hit warm and we got rain. Yep. I'm it like, did not last. You just had a few days here and there. And it's, I'll run a snowmobile comfortably on five inches of good clear ice, but we didn't get to five much. We no. got there and we'd kiss it and then they'd go, they'd say goodbye. And then we'd get there for a couple days and be seven, eight, and then it'd say goodbye. It just hasn't stayed, so glad I had a snow dog. Definitely got to put some studs on it. Um, going to be upgrading a lot of it. My 21, I do see that they've done a lot. Um, if you're a snow dog user, looking at being a snow dog user, getting on the, on the snow dog user Facebook page to learn about them. I have a 21 model, 21-22 season, and there's a lot. They're up, they've already upgraded and I think they're going to do a lot to upgrade it more because it does have some weaknesses when it comes to parts. 
but they're a fairly new company. They're new to new in the U.S. Right. And I think they're working a lot of that stuff out because some of it just needs some work. The actual what that machine can do, what it can pull, and um, the icing can go on is awesome. So been really happy with what it can do. Um, but I think as far as like guides and people using them, they're going to want to work on a, on a couple things. I've been talking to some other guides and we've been talking on the user group and there's a lot of replacement parts out there that I think are going to become standard, that sort of thing. So they'll, they'll clear it up. Cool machines. Awesome that they're so lightweight. Yeah. That's a huge factor on that. I mean, just being able to have a piece of equipment with uh, as thin as ice as we've had and sketchy as ice as we've had is great just to be able to have where you're not hoofing out there. Yep. I mean, granted, it hasn't been bad dragging because we haven't had no, any snow No, it's been good go dragging. Across, but just be able, especially if you're going able to get out a ways on ice, that you're not making the... 400-yard truck and look like you have the Taj Mahal behind you that you're hauling out on the ice, pulling it behind you. Now, if we go back, Luke, we've, uh, we'll talk about this more, maybe a little bit later, but do you remember, we'll just talk about if you remembered it. When we talked about goals earlier this year, do you remember what yours was? Yep, and I had other ones that I didn't say, and yeah, okay. I remember them. Alright, we'll get back to them later, but that's I I remember mine and it's been an interesting year because of because of limited limited ice but and we don't have Brian tonight otherwise we get him into his I don't think he got to get enough ice to to sight fish I don't I think he it. did either <laughs> he got out a decent amount but um at least at least for me it was really cool just to see a lot more walleyes and do that end of things, which is where we're going to go tonight. We've got a guest on. Um, actually, kind of crazy. Uh, met him way back in, like, 2014. We were both working at Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> and back then, he was just, right, or just you know, working there for probably for the discount and for some extra, a little As bit of extra cash. At yeah. Oh, yeah. More. Yep. And for some extra cash, and he was running running shacks out in the Hayward Lakes area and guiding like crazy. And now he's doing a ton of YouTube and seminars and stuff like that. So, um, and just one of the most technical anglers that I've ever met as far as the way he breaks down his electronics and fishing and spots and really gets into the tech part of it. So we're going to bring him on, Mr. Tom Bowley. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. It's uh, good to be back talking ice fishing, and uh, I'll never turn down a good ice fishing talk for sure. Yeah, even when there isn't a whole lot of ice out there. <laughs> what a year. Crazy. This year has been just frustrating, to say the least. I mean, and then I've worked half this week in a t-shirt. <laughs> it's been <laughs> crazy. The amount of using my spud bar that I've done this year is beyond anything i've done in my entire life i'm pretty sure and then trying to find a spud bar if you didn't already have one or lost one because you haven't needed it for seven years <laughs> yeah crazy so, so tom we brought you in today and obviously you do a ton of walleye fishing and you're probably one of the most tech savvy guys that uh as far as especially walleyes that i've talked to 
So one of the big things I was just watching one of your YouTubes today, running and gunning walleyes. How do you, how do you approach it when you want to get out and um, not necessarily sit down for a power hour, but you want to find some midday walleyes? What's a good place to start? Or just bring us in on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The run and gun is my favorite way to fish. I always think. I love being in a boat way more than I love being on the ice. And that's probably not a secret to anybody. I think a lot of people are probably like that, but you probably, or I generally try to relate what I'm doing on the ice as close as I can to if I was in a boat. So, you know, I always say you never would pull up on a spot and drive over it with your side imaging, your down imaging, your sonar and go, oh, well, there's no walleyes here. Let's drive back over it for another 30 minutes and keep checking it, right? <laughs> yeah, once, exactly. once you yeah. see there's no fish there, or you'd never, I always say you'd never make a cast you never pull up to a rock bar in the summer in your boat, make the same cast for eight hours and go in and say, well, that was slow, right? <laughs> right. So really, it's kind of all moving around. I love fishing aggressive and just kind of going spot to spot to spot to spot, you know, drilling tons of holes, fishing outside, fishing off a snowmobile. It's kind of my favorite way to fish. But um, obviously, a lot of people, it's kind of, I think the biggest thing, honestly, you know, we can have plenty of time, sure, talk about spots and stuff. But I think the biggest thing is that I see is, most people aren't, I feel like, set up to be that mobile or set up to be able to get out there, drill a hole, drop a rod. Okay, we're fishing here for five minutes. We're running through these five holes and then we're moving. You know, there's a million different pieces of structure you can fish to find fish. But I feel like a lot of people make it a lot more work to get onto the ice and to get fishing than it really is when I guess you're set up correctly. I guess that's kind of the biggest thing I think that I know. really helps me out is being able to move fast and efficient. I'd a hundred percent agree. There's so many times that people come out and they're ready to fish that eight inch hole for the rest of the day yep. because they've got everything in there in the kitchen sink. And that's kind of something that the more you get on ice, especially for somebody that's just getting into it or somebody that like for me, especially I've had to change considerably this year because I knew my time was limited. I'm usually a camper and I'll work out a certain area and I'll call it 400 square yards that i'll go and work but this year was nothing but just drill holes drill holes find fish i i gotta keep moving i can't be keeping planted not seeing anything on locator coming through yeah yeah i think i think the biggest things you can have is number one you gotta have some form of good mapping whether that's like you know a lake master chip and your hummingbird on the ice with waypoints you maybe have in the summer whether that's uh like a one boat network or an avionics on your phone or whatever kind of mapping you have on your phone. Just, I mean, we could probably all remember it pulling up the spots. We're like, Hey, let's go try that point tomorrow. Right. We got a paper map. You know, it was maybe 10, 15 years ago or whatever. You know, last yeah. yeah it wasn't, it wasn't that and long drilling, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And you're drilling holes. You're like 30 feet, 30 feet, 30 feet. And you're like, where the heck is this point at? <laughs> you know, before you know, 45 minutes goes by and you're like, Oh, it's 13 feet. Holy cow. We finally found the point. You know, so yeah. just being able to like pull up on something and know right where you are is just, I mean, it's obviously just a huge time saver. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the number one spot you got to go is there's so much of, um, what I do on ice that starts out in the boat and finding those spots and really fine tuning, whether it's doing more mapping, um, or figuring out where on the map was holding fish in the fall. But often one thing that I've found this year is I'm branching out into different water in the winter than I would during the summer. So I'm going in to a lake that I've probably fished before, but 
looking at um, some sort of pattern that's hitting and, and trying to replicate that on a new body of water. And to do that, you got to be able to be mobile because you're gonna you're gonna strike out nine times before you strike out another nine times. Right. Yeah, especially through the ice. I mean, you're you're literally fishing through an eight-inch hole, you know, straight down. Yep. Yep. You're not making a cast, fishing straight vertical with some kind of vertical presentation. So yep. yeah, I mean, I, and so, with me on that too is that I haven't casted a line from a boat in about seven years, eight years. So I'm very much relying on mapping for my sense on when I get on the ice. I'm doing, I'm starting my homework on looking and dropping pins well before November, probably even before October. And I'm starting to look at this so that way when I'm able to get out, I know what lake I can go to. I'm going to try these and we're just going to try from there and go on to it. I mean, I don't have the luxury of being able to get out of boat anymore. Yep. Yeah. That's it's it's always hard to a hole and i always say more holes i mean to drill especially for doing a lot of walleye fishing that i like to do i mean several hundred holes in a day can be like the norm you know right <laughs> especially especially when you're getting around fish and you're like really gritting out larger areas but yeah you know, yeah and it's amazing we can do that now with the with lithiums and with light augers it's not like a painstaking effort 100 holes is a pretty all right day now compared to what it used to be yeah yeah i i swore i would never go to a battery powered auger and <laughs> this was probably like i just never i never thought it was feasible so i always ran gas always carried gas with me and if i i mean yeah they're to the point now where yeah you can especially if you carry a couple batteries with you i mean you can punch a couple hundred holes a day way faster way quieter now it's always you know when you hear one start up on the ice you're like what is that a snowmobile what is that sound i hear <laughs> what is that who is that guy and can i drill yeah. him a hole so he doesn't blow up my flat <laughs> what are you running for an auger then i ran the strike master light flight for a few years now and had super good luck with that i run um i run the normal power head but i got just in the garage for all the power tools about 900 different dewalt batteries so right <laughs> i yep. just run the, run the cordless drill and you know carry a pile of the bigger nine or 12 amp batteries with me yeah pretty similar to your setup you yeah. had the well, the the original laser. Now you got the yeah. Now the I got pistol the, bit, but. the Gen One pistol bit with a Dewalt and a ten amp battery, and I got a couple of fives behind that. And if for me, if I burn all those up, I, I I'm cast. And I got yeah. I got the the S or the excuse me the Ion Alpha this year, which I've put through its paces. Although we don't have the ice to really work it hard, uh, we did the little bit I used it last year, and it it held up. And my backup is still a Milwaukee with my, because I've got all the Milwaukee batteries, kind of same as you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a six inch light flight. But I'm more crappie fishing mainly for, for certain reason, reasons, Luke. We, I should probably get a seven inch at least for that auger. Uh, yeah, I would love to find a composite seven inch auger that's not a K drill. For sure. Yeah, you get so many more holes through them too. Oh, yeah. Even just a little smaller. They're so understand. So now. Unlike a lot of times panfish, where I feel like you can go put five, ten minutes in a hole and, and see a fish. When you're when you're walleye fishing, you gotta have some real confidence to be able to to like eliminate water that fast. Um, what are the some of the key components to like when you pull up on a spot, are you are you live scoping it? Do you just know it's a fishy spot and they should be here? What's what's giving you that confidence to move on hole to hole 
when yeah. uh, there may not be a ton of fish around, but you're looking for big ones. Yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, I mean, the realistic part, you know, is if you're some little pothole lakes in northern Wisconsin where, you know, maybe the populations are one adult fish per acre, right? Right. In the lake, yeah. 500 to 1,000 acres. You're not going to pull up to a spot and be marking fish in holes for five, ten consecutive holes on those type of lakes, right? Versus right. if you go to big fisheries in Minnesota, North Dakota, I mean, we it's not uncommon just to drill a spot out and just go pop around with a flasher and no rod and say, well, I'm not even marking fish here. And I try to think of it a lot just like you're in a boat. Like if you, dr- if you drop your flasher down a hole and there is a walleye on the bottom of the lake, you will see the walleye if he's under your hole. You True. Know? Yep. So yep. a lot of times we'll just run through them like that and like, oh, we're not seeing any. Let's move. But on a lot of the smaller lakes, we might just pick a piece of structure that I'm somewhat familiar with, drill 15 holes on the sweet spot, spend literally like 30 seconds in each hole. And if, you know, if you're fishing a clear body of water, I mean, you know, those fish can see 10, 15, 20 feet. And they'll gravitate towards your bait. Right. And you'll probably, even if they're not going to bite, they'll probably mark, you know, uh, on the bottom or something like that to fish there. Yeah, they won't, and they're gone. So I mean, a lot of times it's like thirty seconds a hole for ten holes, and then on to the next spot. Or if we start barking fish, maybe we get on the auger and drill twenty more holes. You know, but the live, the live is another way you can do it too, and it doesn't work. Not like the you know you like to think about. I think a lot of people that maybe haven't used a lot of forward facing stuff, they think about it all like the commercial where it's like you just drop it down and you're like, yep, there's no fish here. Like, yep, there's a bunch of fish here. Some situations it works like that. Some like shallow or rocky situations, or if you're fishing like a real shallow junk weed bed, it's probably fish there that you're not going to see, you know, or there could be fish there that you're not going to see. So if you're fishing like a a little bit deeper spot, I mean, or a spot that's like very sandy or just gravel or mud, I mean, you're going to see every walleye that you could pan to. But in areas where there's a little bit of cover where fish hug bottom, you might not see them. So it kind of depends on what the spot's like. But yeah, not uncommon at all for me to just spend. 20 30 seconds in a hole and just keep moving all day like that until i find fish okay now uh, a lot of the wisconsin lakes that i've fished with walleyes i'm targeting of course you know morning evening is always a little bit better and some of those bigger fisheries like you're saying there's so many fish that there is a more of a daytime bite but where i'm targeting um is usually very shallow is that something mm-hmm. that kind of um that you're seeing out west of here too or is that really vary on based on water yeah, or? it seems to vary a lot i mean you, a lot of times you think of like the morning evening spots that you know they're always good right it seems like these spots in the morning or evening we always get walleye action right right a lot of times they always seem to be like a shallower crown to a bigger spot or a shallower crown to you know maybe it's just some little spots surrounded by deeper water and um I grew up doing the same. I mean, that was, you know, that was the walleye fishing was. It was throw out your three tip-ups and, you know, wait till 4.30 and hopefully 4.30 to 5.30 you get, you know, six, seven flakes and catch a few fish, right? Maybe right. you get one jigging or whatever. And um, as I've just done, you know, as I get more and more into it, I like just catching fish on a rod more, and especially if I can, like, run around into it. And some lakes still, it gets really hard, obviously, to catch fish during the day. Other lakes, you know, will catch fish adjacent to those shallow water sweet spots where you know you're going to catch fish at dark um you know during the daytime and you got to be super like mobile and run and gun and kind of fish really you know fast to kind of try either try to catch up the fish or to get around fish but yeah that's one thing i 
I mean, I wish I could have done it more. Obviously, the ice was terrible this year, but uh, yeah. even a lot of the lakes in northern Wisconsin that I normally while I fish a fair amount, I just couldn't safely get out on this year, which is crazy. But, um, you know, those lakes are notorious for that nighttime, morning, evening bite windows on set lines. But normally we have good opportunities to jig fish in the middle of the day too, generally in deeper water. And uh, it is hard work though, kind of tracking those low numbers fish, fish down, I would say. Yeah, I think it's just, it's not even that they're not biting necessarily, but it is not their prime time. And again, when you're in the lower numbers and, you know, in a small Wisconsin lake, it might be a good walleye lake, quote unquote, but just not, not like those crazy numbers where you can bump into them. And a lot of times what I see is that it's, you know, they kind of retreat back into large, really deep flats. And it's just really hard to pin down a walleye in a flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's not re- when it isn't choosing to relate to the structure. It's like they could be anywhere in this mile. Yeah. I always said they'd be super easy to catch up in that fin. And you could just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Drop it. <laughs> you know, yep. And I totally yeah. agree with like uh, forward facing live scope, the hummingbird live, mega live, whatever you're using. There's been a ton of times I've eliminated water just by you know drilling a couple holes and scoping around just to come back later that day and be like ah they're here <laughs> they've been yeah. here <laughs> i just yeah. and that's something this year that i've really really stressed to clients and really really talked about a lot here is with shallow or th- excuse me thin ice that's let a lot of sunlight in just the amount of your noise and oh. driving around, moving around is moving fish more than I've ever really even thought about or realized. And how sometimes you can drill a hole and it nothing, and five minutes later there's fish back in it, and just you know being quiet, giving yeah. it some patience. Yeah, that's even in thirty feet of water. I mean, absolutely, like it, it's crazy how much sound pings through the ice. I mean, it's it's unreal. You know, I had my cameraman Mitch who uh, films a lot of my stuff. He has this weird habit of when I'm not catching fish or when he's bored, just standing there with the camera, he like kicks the ice with his ice cleats. It's like, uh. this like, it's like this boredom tick he has. Yeah. <laughs> I always look over at him like, Mitchell, like too, it's too loud. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it, lots of times you drill on top of fish. And, you know, I always, I will say, you know, I think that wow, like at least spend enough time in the spot for it to like for that noise to kind of settle down you know a lot of times whether it's four or five minutes after you kind of punch that first batch of holes just to kind of see what you know comes creeping back yeah and i don't know if it's true with what you guys do too or not but i try and make as much like all my noise at once Mm -hmm. i'm gonna drive if i'm gonna drive near where i'm gonna fish i'm gonna drive on it just drill as much as i can because i'm probably not gonna pick up that auger unless there's something really 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 interesting and i haven't been able to find them yet yeah, it's it's crazy how much I mean that pushes fish around. And I was doing another podcast probably a week ago, and you know, there's normally by this time of year you're talking trucks, eel houses, yeah. and you're talking this the whole ice fishing army is out there with every vehicle that have. And it seems like this year, like if you get around fish, like they've been very bitey this year. I think a lot of that's just less pressure, less noise on the ice. Um, and then. It, once we've got on safe ice this year and around fish, it's like the bite's been really good because a lot of times we'll be the only people out there. But <laughs> yeah, no, I've, a lot I've, less noise. I definitely have to agree. There's a lot less noise, a lot less pressure. 
Um, I feel like because there hasn't been the extended like high pressure, you know, low temperatures too, those fish haven't had to go through that stage that puts them into a just a torpor of a mid midwinter lull. Um, mm-hmm. They're still firing like first ice whenever you can get get on them, and they stop running now. That's yep. been that's been the new thing is especially with all the sunlight at, lately. Well, the way we've been going, yeah. we're like on our third first ice right now. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're looking, I'm looking at maybe spudding out tomorrow or Monday and, and getting on first ice again. Yeah, it's yeah. been ridiculous. I have a question for you here for when you're going and you start gridding out and you're jumping down these holes and you say you're fishing 30 seconds to see if there's anything there. Are you, what's your setup for the rod you have in your hand? What are you doing for bait wise? Are you going big and aggressive with like ripping wraps or are you doing big tungsten jigs with plastics on them? What's your, what's your go-to setup? Yeah, I, I love big aggressive stuff generally through the ice especially if i'm running a gun and especially right away because i don't really care if i catch the fish or not obviously it's great if they all come in and fly and it bites up big aggressive but especially if you're fishing like deeper water you know something like 15 feet plus but um generally like a quarter ounce spoon full-size acme hyper rattle a big glide bait big shiver minnow something like that where i don't even care if the fish come in and bite as much i just want to fish something like five to 10 feet off bottom a lot of times you know in in 20 to 25 or 30 feet of water that just has a lot of calling power for fish coming out so i I fished the elliott evolution series 42 medium fast and a 45 medium extra fast those are kind of like my two power fishing rods with generally eight pound braid on them and then down to some big aggressive spoon or you know or, or a glide bait with no light bait on it i don't really generally use a lot of light bait on the spoons especially on that kind of running gun stuff yeah that makes sense so that's that is something interesting that you're fishing them up that high and i would assume it's just like you said to kind of expand that area of interest um yeah because if you're fishing on the yeah go no go ahead uh, one thing i always think about is like walleye will be as aggressive as you know you let them be a lot of times and we kind of you know growing up like when we went walleye fishing it was like this sport of like hold your thing really close to the bottom, move it very slowly with very light line, you know, and the fish come up and they act very timid and, you know, they're a spooky fish. And, you know, if you fish like that, yeah, like, yeah, the fish don't get aggressive. But a lot of times, especially like in clear bodies of water, those fish are, it seems like in my experience, they're really like used to chasing fast in clear water. Okay. Because they have to, because like everything can see far. Right. So in a lot of our like clear Midwest bodies of water, it's, you know, a lot of times holding baits, you know, five, six, seven feet off bottom, ripping hard and aggressive and trying to really make fish chase a lot of time. You know, it seems to work for me and I enjoy fishing that way because it's all kind of fast. You're never really like going really small and getting really finessy with stuff to try to like beg for a bite. You know? Yep. Because at some point you can never go small enough. It seems like they're always like too negative for the the bite and you're down to like some little stupid ice fly and mm-hmm. you finally catch a 14 incher on and yeah it's yeah. a it's an interesting thing too because one thing i see a lot uh between forward facing and just kind of like intuition when you're fishing say it's even perch or crappies bluegills walleyes anything and you're fishing in that bottom foot of water the only fish that are really feeling that are also in that bottom feet of, foot of water. Some days that's yep. where you got to be. It just is. Yep. 
But if there's any aggressive fish at all, or if there's a school of fish to move in, and if you, you have to be above that school to really start drawing them under you, like if you're even with them on forward facing, like they're a foot off and you're a foot off, yeah. they're going to yep. look at you from five feet away. And as soon as you come up, all of a sudden it's like, oh, a fish ran up to me. It's like, no, the yeah. school got to move under you. That's yeah. That's one of the coolest parts about forward facing is watching fish, and it, based on what you do with the rod, and that's one reason I think it gives you a, a big advantage. Like even just fishing, even if you just have it like in down view, you know, mm-hmm. where that you see that fish coming in from the side, and you start to raise, and the, you watch that fish kind of either begin to really climb off to the side and come, you know, angle up at you. Or you watch them kind of sit on that same trajectory like they're not engaging with it. And it lets you really kind of play with what that fist, you know, what you think is attitude is more, it feels like. Yeah. It also seems like, you know, you guys run live through the ice or in a boat. You notice a lot of the bigger fish of all species come in high, come in higher than most of the other fish, you know. Yep. And a lot of times it seems like walleyes or big crappies or, you know, bass will come in all over the place, obviously. But it seems like a lot of those big fish... I noticed a lot of walleyes, but they're, you know, they're single roamers that will come in two at a time. They don't come in 10, 12 fish at a time, like a school of 17s do. And normally there'll be a big mark coming in high. Well, Luke, what did, what did Captain Donnie say about big pike? The biggest pike? Are dragging their dorsal fin underneath the ice? Yep. Same thing. I see crappies. Um, I guess I can't say that they're always like higher than the school, but they're like always on the leading edge. Or, or like around, they're not, they're never in the middle of the school, it seems like, or even. No, they're not in the pack of the night. No, no, they're yeah. always leading it or, or outside around hunting alone. And yeah, usually those hunting packs, I guess, are, now that I think about it, are a little bit higher up for sure. Yeah. It's crazy all these years how we thought fish were just like bottom relating fish. And then, you know, you start doing something like forward facing, you're like, man. I've been fishing six feet under these fish, though. You know, it's amazing we never caught any of them. <laughs> right. Exactly. You go back to, like, you know, when we all truly grew up, like, three, four, five, six, seven years old, using just a, you know, a stick and a reel and a, a, and a spring bobber catching bluegills. And it's like, how did we ever catch? I mean, we caught a, I caught a lot of bluegills when I was little. It's like, how did that happen? Because they're a little bastard now to catch. <laughs> yeah, I always, I always remember the days where you'd, you know, you'd kind of like slowly jig up higher and higher, and then you'd yep. catch a fish, and then you'd wrap the line like around your hand at the yep. pole, you know? Or back you up, know, or yeah, something. You'd wrap yeah, it around so everything. Yeah, you knew how deep you had to be to catch the fish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I remember Crazy. many times just setting the nut on my schoolie reel and just backing up, because that's where I had to be to catch them. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> That or if you didn't have the spring bobber on, you had the old uh, float with the t- basically a toothpick. Oh, in the there toothpick float. Yeah, that oh. that thing was fun. Yep. Yeah, crazy thinking when like spring bobbers are all the rage. You know, finally right. see these things biting. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting though that I think we knew so little about them. And they knew so little about us back then that it was somewhat easy. I mean, finding a place to fish that had fish was super difficult because we were in the infancy of Vexilar mm-hmm. back when, you know, dating myself. Um, so like, then lake maps weren't even really much of a thought other than, you know, there's a bay over there and this looks like it's a deeper spot. Like it wasn't a whole lot there, but when you were around fish, seemed like they bit 
and it seemed pretty simple. Now it's like we've, with all the technology, the fish are getting pushed around a lot more. I think there's a lot more people fishing them. Yep. And they're definitely adapting because it is, uh, I won't say so much more difficult to catch a fish, but it's so much more technical to catch them on a regular basis. Yeah. At least in your mind, it sure seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> Whether it's, you know, fish, it could be as simple as you want it to be or as complicated as you want it to be. Unfortunately, most of us probably make it way too complicated every day. But yeah, yeah I mean, that pressure does, does a lot to a fish. And, you know, there's obviously more people fishing now than probably ever. And, it does move fish around and changes the way lakes fish. And, and I could just talk a lot of the walleye lakes that fish. I remember you could catch a walleye on a weed bed all year long, you know, and yeah. now it's, you know, people kind of, you know, mapping people figured out how to look at a weed bed. They've learned how to read side imaging and, you know, those spots get beat up and now you fish a lot of fish just over basin stuff, you know, fish that suspend adjacent to a lot of that like community spots now. Yeah. It definitely changes the way lakes fish. Yeah, and I think uh, we've talked a lot this year, and I think it's been a topic just with forward-facing moving fish around, and how I, I've had a I've had a really good time this year actually turning it off quite a bit, and just fishing whether it's running running bite me boxes more, and kind of like spreading those out and tip up trolling with a yep. super sensitive tip up style for perch, or. You know, even just fishing more shallow stuff because I had to this year because my basins weren't froze up yet, where the live scope wasn't all that helpful because it's just so shallow and weedy that I'm just taking out the vex and popping yeah, holes God. like I used to. And it, it's, it definitely has taken me back a little bit, and I think maybe made me a better angler. But um, the combination of being able to do that shut it off, but also knowing what those fish are doing because i've seen it on on forward facing is probably yeah. the best combo yeah and i think you know a lot especially you know obviously fish are kind of always women it seems like those fish were like obviously especially something like crappies or you know perch or something you get in an area you're like okay yeah they're fish in this basin or there's fish that are winging this weed edge or whatever you know doesn't make sense for everybody to have a live on turned on just pointing at the school you know right <laughs> Right. trying to sit right on top of them because i mean you i don't know if you guys ever got under the water by like pointing a live down i mean it it pings hard and so do flashers but that live is a super powerful like you could feel it you know hear it basically that's what i was wondering yeah. if you so have you been underwater with a live oh yeah i mean it it you know when you take a vexlar and like point it right at your face yep and you feel that thing like popping that's what lives like but like you know 30 feet away underwater you can like feel that thing basically that's that's an interesting perspective because i i assume that because it is so much more powerful but i hadn't i didn't know if any i thought maybe somebody tried it but that's kind of a neat neat point of view because it really it's shooting so much more power than they're used to and i feel like i did better with my old like original pan optics as far as finding fish and keeping them around than i do with my Mm -hmm. scope just because of all that power yeah yeah it's interesting for sure when you fish some lakes and you know open water rice if it doesn't take you long to get out there and be like oh they do not like this planet adam you know it it's pretty obvious pretty quick a lot of times seems to happen more like when i fish uh like either real shallow stuff or like real hard bottom stuff especially i don't know if it like pings harder or something 
Um, Maybe I don't know, it echoes but, back a little bit off that hard. Yeah, and you do get more like interference, so like it would make sense if for some reason like that hard bottom like echoes it or pings it. It's a real like hard ping versus like shooting it into a soft bottom or something. But yep, we've noticed that a little bit too. Yeah, as spooky as perch have been this year, and it's something that this is the first year I've really been chasing them pretty all pretty much all season. I've been on some sort of perch bite. Um, and it's, it's always been, I mean, the deepest stuff I'm on is 10 feet deep. And even though it's, even though it's soft bottom, like I, I basically refuse to turn live on until we've been fishing for at least a couple hours and I can read whether it's going to be a really good bite or not. Yeah. I have a hard time. Like there's so many people that'll just turn it on down or, or put it next to them and, and, um, put it on forward and just fish under it all day. Just not seeing a ton of fish, but oh, this must just not be the spot. Yep. I, if we don't turn it on, they come under the Vexlar. You turn it on, you keep it there. All of a sudden, they're not coming on, on anymore. You turn it off, put the Vexlar back down or the, the sonar back down, they're back. It's it's that straightforward. So, Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They definitely adapt. They know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think yeah, want- pounding them like that, it's just pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say, you know, you always get, you know, is it worth running it if it spooks fish? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's hundred percent, you know. Oh, it's worth it. It, yeah. it, it helps you catch, you know, it helps you catch fish and you know how to use it and you use it every day. But yeah, I mean, even if you're just the one, two punch of something to run around and go get under fish and then something to find the fish to tell you where to go, like run a flasher and that is obviously kind of a, the ticket through the ice. Yeah. Cause as much as you said that, like it's not necessarily I put it down there and like oh yeah there's a lot of fish here sometimes it sometimes it is you know yep. and if you can just even kind of presence absence like oh there's a few here let's give it a minute yeah spread out maybe turn t- live imaging off and, or even if you have it but just have it pointed out the other way and yep. give them a little time to come back um it it still gives you that there's fish around gives you that confidence to go do something like a run and gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or set some set lines up, you know, around your fish. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. Which is something that you do a decent amount too. I see. Um, do you run your thill bobbers all year round? <laughs> no, I generally like in a shack, I'll run them a lot. Like okay. outside, if I'm dead sticking outside, I'll just run like one dead stick off the snowmobile a lot of times. Okay. Or something like that um this year since it's like 35 degrees every day we've been able to like just run like regular set lines in the open which you know you can never do <laughs> yeah <laughs> so right yeah that's been that's been nice i just love catching fish on a rod so much any contraption i can use to you know a lot of times in minnesota you can't use hook setting stuff so right you know, it's basically just a dead stick or something so yeah you know yeah but, I, I definitely enjoy that too as much as i love the the bite me boxes when I have been able to use a rod set up and catch one on a rod, and it's been mostly pike that I've targeted that with, but it's it's a heck of a lot of fun to have them running. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the older I get, the more I just want to sit with a jig rod in my hand all day. And if I fail, <laughs> I fail. And if they want a minnow, so be it. I'll catch whatever random ones want to bite a jig, but <laughs> I don't know why. It's uh oh can't remember who it was that said it but there's like several stages to being a fisherman first you just want to catch fish yep then you want to get a lot of fish then you want to get a big fish and at some point you just want to catch fish the way that you want to catch fish yeah (laughs) it's it's true (laughs) 
And that's true. I think it does happen to most fishermen, kind of that progression. And I think all three of us have fallen into that right now is where it's like, I, I want to fish my way. I want to get bit this way. There may be a different way of what would work today, but I'm bound to determine I want to do it this way. I think that, that that's where we're definitely where we're at a lot of the time, but I think that's why fishing with other people definitely can open you up because it kind of gets you excited about something else too because this person wanted to fish his way and you're like all right we'll do that we'll try it why not and then all of a sudden it's it's something that you haven't tried before and it can kind of open you up and keep you keep you from settling into i'm only gonna run this because i really want to get one this way it was so much fun right oh yeah i mean the, the amount of videos that like you know obviously we pretty much just travel around and try to get youtube videos everywhere we go and right you know the number of times we'll get somewhere and they're like ah we could set line them, you know, we could, if we set line them, you know, we'll get them, you know, and, and I'm <laughs> sitting there like, or we could drive four hours and go to here and see if it's more better there and jig, you know, see if we can jig 10 fish there tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'm always picking up and moving and, you know, flying around that way. But yeah, I mean, you do just, it does get to the point where you just want to catch them all you want to do. And whether it's like, a, I find myself trying to do it more, I think just because it, it's like a learning thing, you know, it's like, oh yeah. man, I want to catch them this way because I have. I have not had good success doing it that way before, you know, and this could work. I don't know. We'll just, we'll see. But yeah, you do get, like, get stuck in a, I want to do it this way or I'm not going to catch fish. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, it does, it does have that. And, you know, you and I, Tom, are lucky enough to, you, you fish probably, well, definitely more than I get to get out, but we get to get out probably about 10 times more than the average guy. Who, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe 30 times more. So it, it gives you a little bit more of that opportunity too. But I think there is something to having the confidence that you know you're around fish and you can go be aggressive and use a bigger bait and just put that rod in your hand and go fish it like that's the only way you want to get bit is almost what you want to what you have to do to get big aggressive bites. Yeah, it, that was something I learned a lot. I feel like over the last couple of years, I mean, I spent so much time just like thinking a walleye was this, you know, timid little fish that lives right on the bottom all the time. And like the last, you know, this ice season, I probably put a minnow on a, a jig, you know, on two or three different trips, you know, out of the 30 or 40 ice trips, you know, and it's just it's crazy what you learn. Like, man, you tell me if I just rip this really hard, like, way off bottom i might catch less fish but the ones that do bite just free train it you know you just learn stuff like that it's you know you just stuff you'd never think a walleye would do you know right and if you would have if you would have given yourself the out brought out you know brought out a bobber and a minnow or something you know set line or some real finesse presentation you might have caught a dozen 12 to 15 inch fish that day mm -hmm. but yeah it's interesting yeah so it's that's one thing it really I think, tells you how little you know about what's going on out there <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think it's a big testament too to for even for the average guy if you can get out if that is your goal is to get bigger fish this year probably not a numbers thing although some days that aggressive bite is is the numbers way to go too but even though you're not getting out as many times 
just going big and aggressive, which is more your style, Luke. Anyways, if you're going to get a bite, it's going to be a bigger one. Yeah, and I do that even with the panfish. I don't care if it's crappies or gills. I'm more of a gill guy, but I'm a huge one for digging spoons for gills. I may not get bit a ton of times, but the ones I get are going to be aggressive, and usually they're the bigger fish in school or the group coming around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same thing. I hardly spend any time chasing panfish anymore, but, you know, you know, the same stuff kind of applies to that too, you know, bigger stuff. Yep. Yeah. 100. Yeah, definitely. Biggest crappie I've seen through the ice is a rip and wrap this season. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, when you're on them, but it's totally a mindset of, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to catch some fish on a rip and wrap today. Because yep. if you take it off and go back to a tungsten and and go small, you nine times out of ten you're not going to get that 15 inch crappie or that 24 inch walleye. You're going to catch more fish, which can be good too. But if your mentality is I want to catch bigger fish this year, I think that's something you really gotta almost go out there with one. I I learned at bass fishing you got to go out there with one rod one type of lure because and just catch a fish doing that that day before you even go back and get the rest of the tackle box yeah yeah especially like ice fish because you know if you're you're flying through a basin in 20 seconds you know 27 feet of water the school's down 24 feet and you're spending all day in the wind running a gun and dropping tiny tungstens on their head i mean that takes up a large portion of the day is just dropping a jig down there <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah you put exactly. on a quarter ounce quarter ounce bait and rip it for you know whatever aggressive crap you might bite I mean, it, it all goes faster for sure definitely yeah. all right so um with that luke i think uh you got a couple questions for tom yes i do i got two questions for you you can pick either one to answer first one your favorite ice fishing memory or the moment you knew you fell in love with fishing so favorite ice fishing memory, that one jumped right out at me. It's one of my buddies always talked to on we were lake trout fishing on Lake Superior. It was like one of those which was just a complete no go this year, obviously. Actually the last couple of years we didn't have hardly any ice to kind of run, you know, fifteen, twenty miles out onto the lake and target a lot of these big lake trout that it's just it's a super cool trip if you know anybody gets the opportunity to do it. You gotta check a lot of ice, but when you finally like get to where you're trying to go, it's like this is cool. Cause you know, it's kind of like a rare thing, but we had a big group of guys out there and kind of a bunch of my buddies. I was checking on this all earlier that week, trying to get out there. And, you know, you obviously have the opportunity for like a really big lake trout and yeah, uh, big ones out there. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my buddy who was kind of in the shack with me, um, or who was kind of with me, he, uh, had back surgery that week or the week before. So he had like two weeks off of work and instead of sitting at home, he was riding a snowmobile over rough ice with me for <laughs> basically two weeks. Oh, 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 man. And, uh, so it was just like this really cool two week period of catching fish. But there's this one that we were just having a crazy day. We had like a 38, a 39, a couple 37s. And it's like noon, you know, just, just catching big fish. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sitting outside on a snowmobile and I hook into one. I'm like, this one's, I either hooked them weird or this is like a real big one. And it's, you know, you're fighting them for like, 15 20 minutes sometimes you know a couple hundred couple hundred feet of water and i finally got it up and like a bunch of my buddies were standing around me and my buddy bo with the broken back at this point in time 
um, reaches down and grabs the fish. And it was like, everybody just screamed when it came out of the hole at the same time, you know, it was like a 41 or something into Lake Trout. And that was just, <laughs> that was just like one of the coolest fish catches. I feel like I ever like, you know, just looking back on it, I was like, wow, that was just a cool, I wouldn't even cared who caught it. You know, that was just cool to catch a fish like that with everybody around. That's even, cool. Even better with your buddy who was supposed to be nursing his back at home and not riding across. <laughs> he saw that. Oh cool. yeah. I remember his, 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 he'd be on the phone with his wife. Yep stuff like uh tom's got me out here it's all good you know he's i'm in the shack he's running around you know <laughs> he almost uh literally within five minutes i picked him up the boat landing and i gave him my other snowmobile and we hit this icy like one foot crack but you couldn't really see it Ooh. and he just about launched off <laughs> the oh, snowmobile <laughs> There's, oh, was, the whole trip was just a like a riot but yeah that was, that was one of my favorite fish catches i've probably ever had and, i'm running right ice. back thinking about that right now oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun one <laughs> awesome well thanks a ton for coming on staying up with us tonight um i i hope everybody learned a little bit i i definitely did um and tom if they want to check out more of your stuff uh how do they find your how do they find videos how do they find you well yeah thanks for having me on guys it was a fun time um and yeah, if you guys are sticking out on the ice, catch a bunch of fish. But yeah, if anybody wants to find any of my stuff, just Tom Bowley on YouTube, Tom Bowley Fishing on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, the Walleye Now app, too, for a lot of kind of insider walleye fishing details and experience stuff. That's available on Google Play and the App Store if anybody wants to interested in stuff like that. Awesome. We'll be sure to hit you up. Thanks a bunch cool, for guys. coming on. Thank you. It's really cool talking to him about the way he sees, um, you know, walleyes out in those bigger water lakes. So we don't see a whole lot of day bites out of here, at least something consistently where you can go whole hop and find walleyes. No, not really. But there are lakes like that. Some of the bigger ones, I think, around Hayward, you could possibly do some of that. Yeah, and even some of them a little bit south of Hayward. But, yeah, more yeah. focused in that area. Definitely something you can do on the rivers. Winnebago has got that going on for it. Yeah. That eastern part of the state, if they had ice. <laughs> yeah. Down down southeast. They'd be out doing that. But just kind of a cool way to, you know, approach any fish is just having that mindset that you're going out swinging for big ones. You're 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 bringing the home run bat, home run bat with you. I know like I said, bass fishing in the summertime, that's something I had to do was like go out and just take a flipping stick. No matter what they're hitting on, I'm a sea frog fish just everywhere. I'm gonna go out, take a flipping stick, learn how to flip, flip mats. Yep. And that's kind of what you gotta sometimes if you wanna do if you wanna grow as an angler, whether it's summertime, wintertime, through the ice, that's sometimes what you gotta do is just commit to it because then you're forced to have confidence. And once you have confidence, you're gonna catch fish because it's gonna be in your hand all day and you're gonna work on doing it better rather than deciding to switch to something else. Right. So really big. I think PJ kind of said that last year too. If you're going out, have the mindset, you're catching big ones, use big stuff, right? bigger, faster techniques. Tom's doing the same thing with, uh, with using his electronics and then with using big baits, fishing up high and aggressively for walleyes, which I would say up until a few years ago, I, well, probably, little longer for me probably seven eight years ago i would have still said where do you find walleyes 20 feet of water or more and you fish with them with the minnow and 
four pound test or six pound test. Yep. Mostly tip up fish. If you're jigging, you're using a spoon. I knew that in a minnow head, but I would have still said like 20 feet and more. Right. Exactly. Whereas now we're running them. Yeah. Around here, it's more of a morning evening bite, but I'm in two to four feet of water. If I can be, if I can find the right structure, two to four feet of water going like a larger, like an eighth ounce leech flutter spoon is a big favorite of mine or a bigger jigging wrap, something the size of a small perch. Yeah. And I, that kind of goes into my standpoint. Regardless, I'm usually fishing big favorites, regardless whether I'm bluegill crappie whatever i'm going big aggressive i want the aggressive fish to come out and it's not always the case that the bigger ones are always the aggressive ones then you get junior coming up and slide me i was like this bait's half the size of you what are you doing <laughs> yeah sometimes you just get the aggressive fish they're not necessarily bigger no <laughs> but you still have a better shot at getting big fish and sometimes you'll get you'll get big schools in because you're fishing up higher, you're fishing more aggressive, you're making more of a more of a presence down there. Well, yeah, and indeed, look back. I go back to the days where I was actually able to fish out of a boat, and you're I'm casting uh, rattle traps out to be able to drag them across, or bass, or pike, or whatnot coming across, and all of a sudden I get something that hits them. I'm like, well, I must have grabbed a weed or something to pull up. Yeah, it's a 12 inch crappie on the end of it. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're reacting the same as a pike would. That's just kind of that knee jerk, like, ah, I'm going to grab you. Yep, exactly. And because you damn near probably slammed into his head when you were dragging it across. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes down to it, there's certain situations where they won't eat anything, but most fish are waiting to, waiting for easy food. There's times where they need to eat, right. and it's crazy, but they're waiting for bite window aspect yep. of when they're firing on all cylinders. But they're waiting for easy food, or if that food just comes around enough, sooner or later I'm eating that dang cheeseburger. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of like when you go to Christmas, and you already had Christmas dinner, but all the Christmas food's still sitting out. I speak to the Christmas cookies. Easy now. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Christmas cookies. I'm a big fan of a second Christmas dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it shows. <laughs> I may have fallen through the ice, so I don't really have. Not this week. Not this week. Not this week. This season. Sorry. Right. It's been a season for that. So we kind of we kind of tipped it a little bit earlier, but let's talk a little bit about. Uh, some of the goals we set earlier this season and where we're at. Yep. So, Luke, what was your goal? My goal was, and I set my bar pretty realistic, <laughs> especially for, at that point in time when we set these things, we didn't know what our ice condition was. Right. We were hoping we were getting ice again. Exactly. So I set it pretty realistic. I put my goal at to getting 8-inch gill. That's it's what I want. I just want to be able to do that. I blew that out of the water. I blew it out of the water with, I think, the largest gill I bumped that day because it was when I was on this fast and furious. Half of them didn't get bumped, and some some of them got released because I'm like, you're 
you're too big and you need to go back <laughs> in to make sure we still have them in here. I think the biggest one I bumped was, uh, I think a little bit over a nine and a quarter inch. That's a nice fish. That was, that was a very nice fish. And that was not the biggest one that I caught. Nice. So that one got kept. He got a knife put to him. And I, I know I caught damn near a 10 inch gill that day. And looking at him, I just that <laughs> you're big, you're tall, you're thick. Yep. You're going back. Yeah, it's. I got into a little more bluegills than I have in a long time. My biggest was nine and a half, I think. Okay. Um, might get back out there again because there's some tens swimming there. We had a lot of there, just built different in that lake. That was fun. And the funny thing is, I noticed with the gills that I got on this year, the coloring in them is just beautiful. You got some purple ones you were showing me that were just purple they yeah they were about as purple as your beaver tail in spots yeah they were stupid purple on them it was cool i was more the first lake we were on that day i was more fascinated about the color than the size of them yeah it's it's kind of cool to step back and take a look at some of that stuff because sometimes you get on like i had some early in the season we had some really brilliant yellow orange perch that were just gorgeous you had a you had some of the perch you were getting on right away were that perfect fire tiger yeah. color that you guys... Yep, they were just... Yeah. Yeah. Really cool fish. And then you get on to, like, you know, some of those basin crappies are, like, clear phase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Green with barely any black spots to them, hardly. Not golden, which I'd love to catch a golden. That'd be cool. Yeah. But... No, and then... So my goal was to catch a memorable fish. And to get out on a, you know, to either fish alone or get on a trip where I could target big fish. Since that's kind of what we've talked about today. Yep. And I think I mentioned it last year, or last week, last year. Um, seems like it. <laughs> seems like a different year. We're going on to another first ice. Yeah, we're on a third. Right. Um, And I got my 15-inch crappie that I've been trying to get since 2008. I've uh, tapped 14 three times in that same day and got a 15 plus 15 and a quarter so that was i mean i'm not going to forget that fish for a while even though i'll probably i'm hoping to beat it obviously we yeah, always we always to, do right yeah. i'll probably beat it but that one is gonna that one's pretty cool i wish i would talk about how we especially with the interview we just had about wishing we knew what we had going on earlier on in life I wish I would have had the common sense to be able to measure some of these fish that oh, I caught no. earlier on. Because I'd be willing to get the, that the goals that all of us set, you, me, and Brian this year, I guarantee we've already beat them. We just didn't uh, know it. When I was like three, four, five, six, seven years old, there was a lake we would go to and catch. We'd always get a bunch of bluegills near a limit. <clears throat> we'd only go to it. Yeah, we'd go on vacation and go up there and fish it. We usually didn't drive up, even though it's not crazy far away. And there was some of those bluegills that you'd lay on a white paper plate, and there was barely any white. Exactly. I mean, they had to be pound bluegills. And, and, then you'd, and you'd get 10 to 15 of them. And now it's like, if I get one of those in a day, that's a good day. Exactly. And, I mean, one of our local lakes that, you and I grew up fishing that I fish so much that I can't stand fishing anymore. Yeah. I pulled one out that looks like a damn anybody the waterfall hunts, the ruddy duck. 
it looks like somebody took the easel wheel and just threw paint at the duck to be able to make it. That's exactly <laughs> what this blue girl came out looking like. It looked you looked at it and it's like, what in the hell? And that was just slip drifting past and I thought I snagged a stump in this lake and because my rod damn near come out of the boat and I finally got <laughs> it in I'm like this thing is and I wasn't catching anything I'm in a boat a 16 foot boat two other people on the other side of me we got nine lines dragging through the water which is a cluster in the first place oh yeah that's a mess and we're not talking like you guys had uh boards out no you're just dragging around, yeah. Just dragging Make around. a corner and everybody is just screwed, yeah. Yeah, the wind shifts a little bit and everything starts to go. It's like, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. <laughs> I d- that one hit, and I was young, young, young. I had to be 11, 12. That one hit. If I'd have known what I caught then, it tasted good, not going to lie. Right. It had been on the wall now. Yeah, I mean, and then goals I had set for myself that I didn't mention or one, I want to get out with my long rod. I have not gotten out with my pulsator rod since I got it. And I wanted to do that. That is, it might happen this year. I'm hoping. Crossing every finger and toe known to man right now. And then my other one was I wanted to top my personal, I wanted to get a personal breast crappie because I've been very lucky in the past years of two years ago, I broke my PB pike for Wisconsin. Last year, I broke my PB walleye by oh yeah by about by a mile by a mile, and I didn't even really had those goals set. They just happened, so I was kind of hoping, focusing on crappie a little bit. I'm like, well, we'll see if it happens. This and a normal year, I might have been able to make it happen, but I oh, it's a tough year for that. Yeah, uh, but it uh, there's a slight chance it still could. Yeah, it's, it's pretty slight, but it there's a shot. There's a shot we could get at that. Yeah, I mean, I know some places where they live, but <laughs> yeah, it's and the cool thing was is that on the pike, I was just with my old man, and it was just happenstance. I ended up grabbing that walleye with you, and I helped guide that day. It yep. was I just got away from the noise, and all of a sudden it does came came to happen yeah you're on a bunch of perch and all of a sudden boom yeah i was like i've said a million times i go i'm reeling that up to grab my walleye rod and this thing hit i'm like oh this ain't gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) like we were just chatting a little while ago uh before the show that's still a rod that you reach for over and over over some of your customs over some of your new fun rods that you bought that old ht yeah with the schoolie reel or with yeah, uh, schoolie rod, schoolie rod, schoolie yeah, rod, and I got a spinning reel on it. I mean, I I like the rod. I love the way it handles. I mean, I know there's better rods out there. I mean, I guarantee half the people I watched that Larry Smith episode were looking at it and going, "Oh, what kind of mag? What the hell rod is that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you though, it for a rod to handle fish. Um, another thing that we've talked about. I was out on a lake just last week, or oh, maybe two weeks ago now, where I knew I was having the opportunity to catch the crappie, a wall mountain crappie, a PB crappie for me, or something close. And I had a little bit stiffer rod on that was more of a, oh, 
a really good rod to work to get a perfect action with your tungsten. Okay. So you had more play in a tip. Yep. And I'll I'll say it was, it was a bull whip. Okay. Um, and they work really really well as far as sending a vibration down and being able to move it just perfectly. And it's a great gill rod. Really good for crappies too. It's one that it's easy to guide with. I had it on. And I got thinking. I'm like, boy, it, it's such a it's a stiff backbone to a really steep tip, which helps you work that bait really well and is great. But as far as trusting myself with it on a, well, my PB person before was 15 and a quarter. So it'd be something 15 and a quarter up that I could get on that day. Yep. I just, that stressed me out thinking about it. So I had one of the new, Croy rods that is actually built just like that old rod that you have. Okay. Just a probably a better built version of St. Croix. So it's something that had some time and care put yeah, into somebody, it. Yeah, it didn't get bumped out of a machine at 50 miles an hour and sent to Fleet Farm. Well, got <laughs> sent to Japan and came back yeah. around. And, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Went through a dumpster, somebody picked it up, put it on a shelf. <laughs> exactly. Yep. No hand sanded and it, but it's a really nice it was a it's a 34 inch ultralight um so it like running my tungsten it had a little more bounce in it it doesn't i couldn't send that vibration but when i when i set the hook it was all absorbing that head shake and just absorbing the fish not ripping holes and bringing it up so for that particular instance and for something like a giant walleye a giant freak walleye yes that's the perfect rod to behold really yeah, because you, I mean, and then you talk to it, but there's, everybody keeps talking about the rods on everything. Then if you don't have the right rod that what you're setting up for right now or what you want for the rod, then that's when you start playing into your reels and your drags. If you don't want, if you don't have the right setup you have, that's when you need to put in, if you don't want to spend the money on a rod, put the money towards your reel, which is going to be, considerably cheaper in the way the custom rod market is now get a good reel with a nice drag that you can go and fine tune on especially with like crappie fishing so that way you can go and set the hook on them and then it's going to be peeling drag but at least you know it's not going to spit it and you're not going to rip it out right because you can get you can get pretty decent off the shelf these days with a uh with a noodle yeah, which is going to be pretty parabolic and a pretty good bend. Something like even, I mean, Pink's Chronicle is a pretty is custom-ish, but they're more they're decent priced. They're not crazy crazy. No, you can they're, get anybody that watches the Chronicle series. I think you can get into, I think almost any one, one, three out of the four rods. I'm pretty sure you can get into just the rod for about 120 bucks. Right, and when which you're talking, is an investment, but it's. It's, but it's when you're not, talking custom rod game, that's lower middle of the road. Yeah, right. Yep. So that's pretty decent. That's a pretty that's a good rod to run a lot of that on. Um, like, like Tom was talking, some of the Elliots. Yep. They're a really good off the shelf rod. Um, those are, those are very you know they're very technique specific. I actually don't know a ton about that line, but I know that they've made rods. All the way from down, we talked to, I think it was two seasons ago, we talked to Mr. Bluegill about him. That's what he's running for gills, panfish, and all the way up. He's He runs all Elliott rods. 
funny you can say two years. Uh, I think it was two years ago. We've had yeah. that many years now that we're trying to figure out what two year years. Two years, about 144 beers ago. <laughs> oh, that's a during, the show. Yeah, during, okay, the show. during the show. Yeah. Okay, during the show. Yep. So, but yeah. All right. So we've gotten a little bit of a tangent on rods and stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a few other things that you wanted to talk about, I think, too, just that you haven't got to this season. Yeah. I mean, with us being affiliated with Striker, I got a couple things that I was able to try out and be able to put into uh, seeing if it's worth for the average guy to be able to go and grab. And Striker, we preach Striker left and right, especially for their float suits. Their float suits are next to none. They're awesome. We really absolutely well love them. Like I said before, my dad just got into a new set of bibs this year. He bought the Apex bibs. He absolutely loves them. He loves how lightweight they are. He loves the knee pads in them. Everything about those. He goes, even when he was out that week fishing with his cousin, he said he had the legs open on those damn near the entire time. He goes, they were almost too warm for that hot of fishing. It's been a warm, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to stay cool enough this season. Yeah, which is a perfect thing to have. In that because that way when it actually drops through the free drops through the freezer on you or if you're actually out there and it's a decent day and all of a sudden you got a front come through and you're fishing completely different elements than what you were in the morning they're an awesome bib now one thing that i i didn't get well, i didn't try this year and that you had out was that tech gator and that could be big because there's just that area that even with my coat up i usually get almost to my nose but you kind of get some wind going down in and when you're going out on a machine, especially, and if you get a wind coming in, you're either, if you're looking up at all without, with just the coat on, you're getting an ice cream headache from, yep. the wind, from that cold wind blowing on your forehead. So you're tucking down and trying to stay warm. And, but you had that gator on. I was that pretty jealous gator, of that thing. There are a couple of times I've had to use it. I mean, uh, second time I got out when we had, uh, other beaver tail pro staff member. Um, yep. He was, it was uh, not a nice time out that day. One of the coldest days I've fished this year. Yeah. And I was not, not going out the next day, which even, which was even worse. And that tech gator for the minimal price that it is, I'd have to take a look on the website to see what it is, but it's, pennies on the dollar for what you could get it for compared for what you're getting for it for warmth it's lightweight it's fleece lined on the inside it's incredibly warm and it's a nice even like you and i both have facial hair and it's with the fleece lying on the inside it's not one of the fleece lines that grabs especially for very coarse facial yeah. hair you're not grabbing it pulling it up and down getting the itchies yeah yeah it's not it's not uncomfortable if you got to take it up and down to do whatever. I mean, and then around the neck, it's just perfect. I mean, you could even run that thing for a hat if you needed to, to be able to just keep the top open, be able to bleed off some heat, especially if you're drilling holes and yep. being warm and everything else. That tech gator, I mean, I got to love that thing. That thing <laughs> is great. That's one thing I will probably pick up for next season. Although I, I just run so so warm. But you didn't this a, season. I didn't early this season. It was a weird year where it stayed so warm that when it got cold, I needed a couple days of cold just to get used to it. I, that's happened to me now. 
the yeah. temperatures we have out now, if it was the normal season, I'd have walked in here and what I'm sitting at. Right. Yeah, it's just weird when you get cold, damp 30s for a long time and you don't have any real cold, you get Florida skin, I swear. <laughs> you come in and you're just like, man, it's chilly out. And it was 38 all day. And going on that sense, I'm saying I just walk in and what I'm wearing, I have a striker hoodie on right now, just one of their cotton blends or whatnot. Which, which, is, which I was surprised. You did not have a striker hoodie this season. I yet. have three or four of them now. They've had some good deals going on. They had they had a flash sale on their hoodies. If you got in on that, that was great. It didn't matter what hoodie you had. They had on there. It was forty bucks. Yeah. And I told my dad about that a day late. I thought he saw it. <laughs> uh, dude. But, well, and you saw what? Uh, if if you guys are listening, um, currently they just released their Prime stuff. Yes. Which is all really great priced. I was like, I think they're. There. I haven't had a chance it's, to it's, go it's through all, and look yet. But. It's all open water stuff, so, I mean, we're getting closer to that now. Some people are already on it. Yeah, yep, but it's all, you know, UPF gear, hooded, that sort of stuff. They're, they're, they're hooded long sleeve, I think it's like $34. Well, that's cute. Yeah, it was really, i got to get it. I'm going to end up with a few of those, I have a feeling. And um, then, for sure. Like I said, walking in, what I have on, I have a striker hoodie on now, but I threw on my brake line hoodie on top of it, which is a zip-up hoodie. That thing, it's so nice and so warm that I wear it for good. Right. I, I don't wear it on the ice. I have the brake line vest also, but I have the brake line hoodie, and that brake line hoodie is the... You can attest this because you forgot your apex jacket the one day. Yeah, it'll break it, the wind. 100%. It breaks the wind a hundred percent. It's stupid warm, and it's light and compact. Like there's there's no bulk to it, right? At yeah. all. I keep it in the truck just as a like my walk around. It, it'd be something I, that I would happily wear to a supper club. Yeah, I it's mean, it's a it, nice looking coat. It's a very nice looking coat. I mean, it's sleek compact it's not i said it before it's not bulky i mean it's the only thing I, I had a hard time wearing it on ice because i'd get it full of slime yeah exactly <laughs> so i'm like oh i gotta keep this one nice so i'd wear my the renegade pullover which i had last year I just and you got were drooling over yeah. yeah i just got that this year and that thing is uh stud also that thing i love the front pouch in it yep Especially because it's got the kangaroo pouch, like a hooded sweatshirt does, that you could go and throw your hands in. But it's got a zippered pocket on the front of it also. And the way that would be really good with that is to drop hand warmers in that zippered pocket. So yep. you get your two-pack of hand warmers, just drop that in there because that's going to be more than enough. Especially gigging, if you are got to switch off hands, be able to just throw in and get warmed up quick. They're, they're great. Yep. That thing was awesome for me last year. Didn't get as much play this year. Because a the Apex jacket was so light that I wore it. I, used I actually that wore my a lot this year. You know, yeah, before I had my Apex jacket, I wore it all the time. And um, this year, I did wear I don't know, once or twice because I had to. But I wore the uh, the brake line. But yeah, I I think there was only one time where it got cold enough that I had to put on my Predator jacket. Mm. Otherwise, I'm running one of the uh striker you're gonna have to help me out on this one the he one of their heavier tech hoodies okay 
And then I run the brake line vest. So I have hoodie, bibs, and then I throw the vest on the outside just to keep the bulk down. You go over with your your vest? This is the first time I've done it. I tried it the last last time I went out. I'm going over with the vest just to try it out. And I was so glad I did. Yeah. It breaks down. Even though the brake line vest is just as thin and streamlined as what the hoodie is, you get too much compacted underneath your bibs. And it's like you can't bend down. Yeah. Even with the uh, striker stuff. So, I mean, I wear it on the outside. And then you called me when we were out there, just trying to figure out where we were at. Then you're playing the game of, all right, what pocket is what this phone in near yeah. my chest? And I'm going through everything trying to find it. Oh, that reminds me. So the biggest thing, uh, or one of the easiest things that I bought, I think maybe I've mentioned on the podcast. If I have, I, I have. Um, and we haven't dropped a link to it anywhere, is the Eagle Claw, or I think even South Bend made one. They're either, most of them are red. There is a green one. They look like they got a bell on each end. Not a not a ding, ding, ding bell, but a bell-shaped end on them. And Your old-school hook removers. Old-school hook removers. They're 99 cents. I've got six of them on me at all the time as a guide now because I can just reach in. I only have to go through two or three pockets to find one now with six of them on me. And, yeah, and but I've got them all over because you know, one breaks are 99 cents. Can't get much for that. And with those size 20 treble hooks that you run on those bite me boxes, you almost need that. Even when I'm running my bigger stuff for pike, a lot of times it's a really good way to start getting that hook dislodged. Depends on how deep they are. Right. But, uh, walleyes, it's it's gonna work on walleyes, bass, pike are the only ones that it doesn't quite. It's not quite long enough a lot of times to get all the way down in the gut. But usually I can get the hook dislodged a little bit. Get down the gut, not to where I can come part. in. Yeah, then I come in through a gill or through underneath the gills with my toothpick and and flick that last hook out. Yeah, something like that. So now we're gonna have some more striker stuff coming up here for you that we were able to try out this year but those are some of the ones that we've gotten to this year and absolutely i i would back <laughs> anybody on buying some of that stuff i it's great clothing it's well made and if something happens with it they're they have no problem making it right yeah they've been really good on it i know one guy um had really really messed up his bibs and then had a zipper problem too might have been related by not. Ended up got new bibs out of the deal. Okay. Because <laughs> they, they warrantied the zipper and couldn't fix them. So they ended up, you got new bibs. Like, they're really good about it. Um, Obviously, don't go messing them up on purpose. But, right. you know, they stand behind their stuff and just make them really good quality all the way around. So. Yeah. I'm very glad that they were willing to be able to come on for a sponsor for us. And there are, they're, it's a very good quality product. I love being in their stuff. So, um, kind of winding down, but Luke, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, instead of a, we haven't had too many tip up tips and tactics because we've talked a lot of tip ups just in general. Yeah. But you've got another. You you got a chance to do another uh, Ryan Pincala recipe, right? Yes, another I did. frozen kitchen one. It actually wasn't in the frozen kitchen book. Oh, really? So this is just one of his from the show. One of his from the show. It's still his little segment on there. It's called the Frozen Kitchen now. But it was on the episode, if you track it, from when they went up to Red Lake. 
because they didn't cook on the ice on that one or stay in the cab. They stayed in the cabin up there, but they did it when they got back. It was right around the Minnesota deer season. So I made his recipe of the garlic mashed potatoes with venison steak bites. 110% recommend. There's a couple things that didn't work out for me or I didn't have the ingredients or whatnot. Like, I don't have the kitchen cook white out, but I had a different uh, garlic seasoning that was actually a double garlic butter seasoning. It's from Boar's Night Out called White Lightning. Double garlic butter. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> I like garlic, and I like butter. So <laughs> it, it was amazing. And then using the heavy whipping cream with the butter, and I didn't melt it down like he did. I just threw, like he said, I know, they, these things are not healthy by any means, but they taste amazing. <laughs> the amount of cream and butter that are in these things, it's not a healthy meal, but you're going to sleep well at night. Right, right. You've been out there freezing off your calories all day, right? Yeah. So it was, it turned out very good. The only thing that didn't work out for me, and I even went and did, me and my dad, because he had this meal with me and my son, we went and looked because he said he, Roasted garlic in the oven, just wrap it up because he goes, I don't need to show you this. Just throw some garlic, put some oil, put a little oil in it, wrap it in foil, throw it in the oven, 400 for 30 minutes. I go, and I should have known better as much as I do cooking that I'm like, that should have seemed like a long time. I did the drizzled it with olive oil, wrapped it in tin foil oven. I like get to 400. I didn't throw it in beforehand. Did it. I could smell it getting fragrant. I think once you start smelling it getting fragrant in the house, pull it. Uh. Because I let it run the 30 minute course. I had pumice rocks inside that club. Oh, uh, really? It was super hard, huh? I was, I brittle, black, burnt, uh. crunched apart. I'm like, I, I couldn't use it. I go, so we're going to double up on the seasoning right now. Right. Yeah. And, and even like he said, you don't need a, super prime cut of meat for this. You don't need to use back strap or tenderloin. I used a chunk of a front shoulder on this thing. And just make sure you cut across the grain before you do it. And I cut uh, the half inch cubes like he did. And the one thing I didn't do is because I think he cooked a very a bigger batch because I think he had the entire crew over there doing this because he had a lot of food on there. I did everything in one shot in the pan. I do get some moisture in there. And I drained it off. And then I still browned it afterwards. And I did actually go out and buy avocado oil for doing my venison on. World of difference, dude. I didn't think, I thought oil was oil before. Absolutely not. I've been learning that too, a ton. Because I'll use uh, a lot of olive oil. Yep. And then I'll go to a vegetable oil and it's, oh, that's it flare points taste everything gets different yep i've heard grapeseed oil and that's the next one i want to try is grapeseed oil i did the avocado oil i hate avocados the end of the yeah i'm not a there's some things they're okay but yeah i'm not so i'm not an avocado guy at any means like even guacamole you can take that throw it in the garbage I, (laughs) i hate it but their oil i did that with my venison it turned out amazing like i just because we're my boy was hungry, <laughs> so I got everything done, threw it in the pan, 
threw it in bowls, scooped everything and served it and threw it out there. My dad even said, he goes, that was a stellar meal. If I would have served myself, I think I'd probably done a scoop and a half, if not a little bit more or less, but it, it was very good. The mushrooms, I did everything with it. And the only thing else is that anybody listening to this, if they have a Woodman's in their area, they're about as bad as Menards for throwing <laughs> stuff back in the wrong hole. I went to the bin, said cilantro, big sign, cilantro, grabbed, went to throw it in a produce bag, was more concerned about making sure my boy didn't grab something to throw in the cart, <laughs> threw it in there. Well, we had something happen when we got up to the registers. I had to leave. I just gave cash to my dad to be able to pay. And he goes, yeah, you got parsley. I'm like, what? <laughs> so we That ended. was green. <laughs> And I didn't pay attention to the leaf or anything else, and it, it tasted great. I would like to see what it tasted like with the cilantro on it. I think you'd give it even a little more zing. Although, if you if you don't love cilantro, parsley is a, a decent enough substitute. And it, it was good. I mean, even this compound butter that you do on there. Like, I picked up the chili crisp and the soy glaze and did the compound butter with it. Ooh, I love a good compound butter. And I even have... That's actually probably going to be lunch tomorrow. I have venison steaks marinating in the fridge right now that are going on day four with olive oil, that soy glaze, the chili crisp, some of the, that garlic uh, seasoning in there. And I got that all mixed together, and they've been marinating for about four to five days now. So they're, that's going to be, yeah, that's lunch tomorrow when we get back from the last swim lessons for the boy. <laughs> there you go. If wife doesn't like venison, but she's going to be eating it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, what a season. It's, you know, we, we're glad that you guys are still listening. There's a bunch of you guys out there. We, you know, we had an, another great week. We are at approximately, uh, before this comes out on a Wednesday, we're at around 45,000 downloads all time. With the goal this year of... I wasn't even going to hit or thinking we were going to hit this goal, but I want to, I, I think our goal is to get 50,000 downloads this year. Yeah. That'll be the, um, that would be pretty awesome to have 50,000 all time downloads and you guys are going to help us hit it. And we've gotten already pretty close. Tell your friends about it. If they're not listening. Um, and that's saying something coming from a couple guys. I just wanted to do a podcast about ice fishing and the growth we've got even before this year. Yeah. A lot of you guys have been with us for four years, and we're still sorry. Yeah, I, I, thanks for sticking with us. I mean, <laughs> we had, if, if you stuck with us through year one. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, you're a trooper. If you made it through a couple of those, and I, I think, you know, knock on wood, we've we've gotten, the, uh, like, a lot of the sound goobers out. We've kind of got some of that figured out, so we, it sounded a lot better. I mean, it still sounds like us, so again, we're yeah, sorry. Exactly. but. But you can hear you can hear us, and there's no garbage going on in the background, that sort of thing. So we've got some of that figured out. We've gotten the phone calls figured out where they've been nice and clear. Um, been on some pretty good guests. We we started out this year. I was going, man. Last year was tough to tough to sustain getting people, and and the year before yeah, that, really maybe fun. we peaked. Maybe we peaked. and this year though was just awesome again. And took a little more planning, a little more staying on things, but getting everybody from uh from tom and adam bartusek 
uh, just big thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's we been had a uh, great year again. Donnie, oh Donnie, my gosh, Donnie. Oh, Donnie, <laughs> even our even the guests uh, the ladies and gent we had on when we were live from Striker at the St. Paul show, they all put out quality. Oh yeah. The, my dad told me when he goes, I've been listening to you guys from the start, and he goes, the first thing he said when we got from from Nike, he goes. You need to try and have those ladies on again because they knew their shit and they knew what they were talking about. It was the best episodes I listened to were your interview <laughs> from Striker or from the same from the show. from the show. Yep, live with the, the one from Striker this year. We're sorry about that one. We thought it. Yeah, that was that was a kind of our hopefully some of our last sound buggers, but it, it was still. I would say most of that show was all right, but no, really appreciate y'all coming on. Appreciate you listening and. Thank you for listening to Ice Stop.